When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How much you care about your college football team has never mattered more, has never been able to make a larger impact than it can right now in 2024. Welcome into the Hard Count. This is, of course, the People's College Football Show, talking ball every single day. February 27th, 2024, the last one on the face of the planet. Going to make it a great one because we got Mike Norvell, the Mike Norvell, Florida State's head coach, joining the program. In just a matter of moments, this was an awesome conversation. We talked everything from DJ Uwe Unglele and the decision to bring him to Tallahassee. Because remember now, Mike Norvell got to see DJU play a lot of ball when he was in the conference wearing that orange helmet with the tiger paw on it. Got his thoughts on that. Also asked him a little bit about what he thinks about Florida State and the ACC and transparently was fully expecting a non-answer from Mike Norvell. Was expecting him to almost be half annoyed that we even asked that question, but I thought his answer was pretty transparent, and I thought it had something to, uh, to take away from it. So curious to hear y'all's thoughts on what he has to say. So that's a great conversation here coming up in a matter of moments. Also, the coordinator carousel. Most of the time it's overshadowed by the head coach carousel, and that makes sense, but there was a lot of big names moving to big schools that I think are going to make a massive impact on this 2024 college football landscape. Everything from Ohio State landing a coordinator that was previously a Power 5 head coach, which is, of course, Chip Kelly. And then you got Auburn going to land in a D.C. within the conference from a and I mean, there, there was a lot of big moves. I want us to all get aligned on some of the most impactful moves that, again, are going to make a major, major ripple effect across the college football world in 2024, some of the biggest. Uh, our new rankings dropped yesterday here at On3. When I said rankings, of course, I'm referring to uh, our 2025 recruiting rankings. I want us to hone in specifically, though, on the most important position on the field, which is, of course, the quarterback position. Charles Power has a really good article out right now on some of the top guys in this 2025 class. Going to take a, a quick look at some of those top signal callers and where they're headed or where they could be headed and sort of give you a rundown there. Also, projection rankings they're back again these are not power rankings these are not predictions this is of course a projection of what a certain conference will look like over the course of the next three years we got not one not two not three but a top five for you when it comes to how we see the big 10 conference shaking out over the course of the next three seasons hey we're glad to have y'all here really quickly make sure you're subscribed we have a ton to jump into today it's February. We're going to fill a full hour-long show talking college football and only college football. So we're glad to have you all here. you got a lot going on. School, work, relationships, whatever it is. Just put it to the side for a second. Mental vacation time. We're talking ball and only ball. We're glad to have you all here. Let's get right to it, though. There is a, there's a whole new world in college football. Whole new world. Because as of Friday, you're kind of getting ready for your weekend, probably uh, getting ready for your dinner plans or your movie. And you see the alert from the On3 Twitter account, which, again, I would encourage you to follow. And the judge grants the attorney generals of Tennessee and Virginia their preliminary injunction against the governing body's NIL rules prohibiting negotiations for high school and transfer portal recruits. What does that mean? It's just legal jargon saying, basically, NCAA, you're done, baby. You're done. And not done in the sense that the NCAA no longer exists, but you're done overseeing the NIL negotiations, the NIL rules, rather, 
for the states of Tennessee and Virginia. Now we can all use common sense. Now we all understand here this isn't just going to stay in Tennessee and Virginia. This is probably going to be the status quo across America. And what this means is NCAA, your NIL ruling, overall is just not really going to be a thing anymore. Now, the reason why this makes a ton of sense for those of y'all that are just kind of parachuting in on this thing, the rules previously stated that you could have conversations with athletes about NIL, but it couldn't factor into their recruitment. That makes no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. Andy Staples put it perfectly on his show yesterday morning. It's like going in and applying for a job and then them telling you, hey, you got the job, but we're not going to tell you how much you can make or not being allowed to tell that individual how much they're going to make. You see how that doesn't really add up? See, it doesn't really check out. It's not good for all parties involved. And this is one thing I said yesterday as well. Like, just transparency overall, more of that. More of that. Like, if we're worried about kids having, you know, bad actors trying to sell them X, Y, and Z thing in the NIL space. And to be clear, that's not how it necessarily is in this NIL space. There's a lot of really good individuals that are putting great work into this space. But the concern that you hear a lot of people say is, well, what about the kids? We don't want them to be taken advantage of. We, we don't want them to be taken for a ride or whatever. More transparency is going to come about, in my opinion, by nature of us not having the NCAA have these ridiculous rules in place. Like now these kids are going to be able to actually have these conversations before they go to school, before they put pen to paper. So where we're headed, I said this yesterday as well, like more structure is probably what it feels like we're moving towards here. In what world do we have significant amounts of money changing hands for a service and not having contracts consistently in place, not having, you know, a understood dollar amount before that money changes hands. Like, I think a lot of that is going to happen here as we move further and further into the NIL era. But here's what I really want to hone in on here. As a college football fan, what it means for us, now the Tennessee logo might be on the bottom of this lower third, but hang with me. Whether you're a fan of Georgia Southern, whether you're a fan of Alabama, this is massive because the way this is headed, this is going to allow you to have more impact than ever before on your college football team. Because it used to be, hey, if you give us some money, well, then we will have more money to buy another waterfall for our training room. And that's going to help us recruit better. And you kind of could get behind that, and you would see the top schools do that. Like, resources and facilities are always going to be a big selling point when it comes to recruiting to a degree. But, like, now as a fan, the, the pitch changes from, hey, donate money for a waterfall to, hey, donate money for a five-star recruit. Donate money for us to keep our all-American wide receiver. Donate money for us to keep this roster intact, to keep guys from going to the league for one more year so we can run it back for another conference title or national title or whatever it ends up being. That's massive. That is absolutely massive. You are, in a lot of ways, as a college football fan now, being given a fraction, at least, of responsibility to put the product you want to see on the field on Saturdays out there. You now have more responsibility than ever before as a college football fan or as a booster of a college football team or as a donor, whatever kind of label you want to put on it, you now have more power than ever before. And that should not be overlooked. And what I said yesterday, I'll say again, the care factor that different schools have across the country, that's going to be exposed. That's going to be on display for everybody to see. The schools that have a low care factor, they're going to have guys portal out every single year. They're going to have Guys decide to have one good season and then go somewhere else because they can make more money because those schools that have a care factor, they know they can go there and help themselves from a probably an NFL perspective than more instantaneously from a dollars and cents standpoint. And so you, you saw this from Missouri, and I'm not saying specifically that all $60 million of that Missouri anonymous donation went to NIL, but some part of it did. 
some part of it did go to keeping a roster intact and building on more talent into that roster. The schools that care, the schools that are embracing modern college football, that are on the cutting edge of where this whole thing is headed, they're the ones that are going to win in that expanded playoff. The Ole Misses of the world. I just mentioned Missouri. Tennessee, I believe, is in that boat. Oregon's in that boat. That's what's winning right now in college football. That's what's going to win in college football. So I think this is a good thing. Transparency for everybody is always a good thing. And I think we're headed towards more structure. And like I said, more responsibility for all college football fans alike. Exciting times, man. Exciting and unprecedented times right now in the college football world. Hey, we're about to get a coach, Mike Norvell, here in just a moment. Again, we talk a lot of things over the course of this 12-minute conversation from the ACC to DJ Uwe Ungle to how they sustain the championship culture. Make sure you're subscribed as you're watching this video. Y'all supporting this channel, y'all supporting the show allows us to have an audience to then pitch to these head coaches and say, hey, coach, we'd love to have you on the show. Those SIDs are a lot more excited to say, yes, we'd love to have coach on the show when they know y'all are watching and subscribing. So just a little note, we appreciate y'all being dialed in. Without further ado, here's the head ball coach for Florida State. And we now have the pleasure of being joined by Florida State head coach Mike Norvell. Coach, you're in the middle of winter conditioning, more or less. Are you one of those guys jumping in with, with the mat drills and doing things during, during the cones? Because I, I see the hype videos. I see you bringing the juice. Are you jumping in the drills too? I try to uh, – I'll get out there and run around a little bit, but I try to stay as far away from the actual drill work as possible. I'm up well past my time and all that. But, no, it's been good. It's been a really good start to our, uh, to our winter program. Uh, you know, our Coach Swarms, our strength conditioning coach, does a remarkable job. And uh, it's fun seeing the – just a sense of urgency from our players, you know, the, the guys that are returning, uh, that uh, you have new opportunities in front of them. And then, you know, some of the newcomers that have joined the program, you know, here in January, done a, hit, done a great job hitting the ground running and just uh, so excited about what, uh, what is ahead for us in spring practice and seeing this, uh, this team, you know, really start to form their identity. I was going to say a lot of new faces because a lot of guys that were, you know, big contributors and leaders for y'all last year gone on to the NFL, which, which is always a, a good thing, but one of the unfortunate parts of, of college football. When it comes to sustaining that culture that y'all have in-house, obviously really special, was a big reason why y'all were undefeated last season. How do you go about sustaining that now with some of these newcomers and new faces into the program? Well, it's about continued growth, and I mean that is that's one of the the, the true heartbeats of of our program is just uh, you know it comes down to the work, and you know whenever you are you come into this program and it is it's about you know making that investment on a daily basis. Uh, you know the the people that are around you. You know we try to have a, a group of like-minded individuals, and it's about building those relationships. It's about you upholding the standard of uh, you know pushing to be your best on a on on a daily basis. You know on the field, off the field. You know whether it's in the weight room, in the classroom, wherever that might be and so you know the the culture is something that's been established over the last four years you know we you know this past season these last couple of years you know have been you know some of the fruits of that work that's gone in but uh, you know, we're, we're excited about going to get better and that's what this that's what this team is pushing for uh you know, we've got a lot of you know great young men that i get to coach every day and excited about them uh, capitalizing on the opportunity that's in front of us so it's just uh, it's really just that constant push of uh, being better than what we've been and from an on-field perspective, we mentioned some of you know that that production that is gone to the league, like a like a Keon Coleman and a Johnny Wilson. Obviously, guys like that don't necessarily grow on trees. So, with some of these new faces, whether it be incoming freshmen or guys that are going to get their chance now that were elsewhere on the depth chart last year, do you have to reinvent some of the things you do schematically, or is it hey, this is how we do it, this is how we're going to do it? You know, we're going to make sure we put you in position to be successful. How much reinvention is there going on schematically, Coach? No, I think every year you're going to continue to tie your your 
your schemes and what you do offensively, defensively, and special teams to the guys that you have. And, you know, we didn't have Keon Coleman, you know, he wasn't on the roster till the summer. And that was something that, you know, was not something that we anticipated, not something that was really expected, but, you know, when he came in, you know, he was a special player that, that brought, uh, you know, a great dynamic to this team. And so we were, we were, you know, obviously excited about what he was able to do and accomplish. And even for him, you know, he did some things that he had not done before. And so, um, you know, those, that's, that's what this program's all about. It's about, you know, trying to put put our playmakers in a position to showcase all of all of their skills and talents. And, uh, you know, it's going to change year in and year out uh, to make sure that we're, you know, fitting things to the guys that we have. And, you know, I think we've got a, a very talented and explosive group that uh, that we have here in, in Tallahassee and excited to see them uh, continue to work to, to, you know, put themselves in a position to, to go be showcased. Yeah, coach, I'm a, I'm not a journalist, so I'd, think I get to have have favorite players if that makes sense it's not like the journalistic integrity thing for me uh DJU is one of my favorite players just his story and what he's done throughout the course of his college career what made him the right fit for y'all when he jumped into the portal ultimately getting him to Tallahassee you know, I mean, I think you see the ability. I mean, he's got a tremendous arm. You know, he's got great size, you know, all, all the uh, the experiences that he's been through. But, you know, truly, it comes down to who he is. It's the person. It's it's the uh, the mindset, the the approach that he brings. Uh, you know, he's a remarkable human being. He's got, you know, great leadership qualities. Um, but, you know, he's somebody that loves to work. And, uh, you know, to be able to come in, uh, understanding the, the expectation that, that we have within our program, uh, you know, you know, not just, you know, on the field, but, you know, really from uh, all inclusive approach and uh you know just the, the heart that he has and and the, the passion and desire that he that he that he brings uh you know a day in and day out basis to to go get better and i think he's you, you've seen that through his experiences uh he's had some really great moments and he's had some challenges that he's had to overcome but uh, you know i think those challenges have helped uh kind of build him to the to the young man that he is today and uh, i think it's a great opportunity for him and it's a great opportunity for florida state to to take those next steps together and I know the kind of the unique part of the situation is you actually got to play against him when he was at Clemson. How much did that factor into you bringing him to be at Florida State? You know, I'd, I'd watched a lot of him, and you know, from his time at Clemson when he was in the league, uh, you know, to even you know the, this last year when he was at Oregon State, I, I think that you know all that he has done, um, you know, like I said, the good and some of the the challenges that he's faced, um, you know, it's built him to where he is now, and that's what you know I'm so excited about these next steps, and uh, you know, just being able to come into this program, be able to to be around the, the guys that we have that are surrounding him, you know, just, uh, you know, I told him just to come in and be himself and, you know, just show up every day, pushing to, 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 to improve, pushing to, to get better, you know, in the things that he's doing, uh, you know, and when his overall understanding, you know, the rhythm, the timing, the, you know, the, the understanding of an offense. And, you know, I think the, the rest is going to take care of itself, but uh, you know, we've got a great group and, you know, he's definitely a special young man. And I don't think it would be a tremendous surprise to anybody if someone like a DJU had success via the portal coming to Florida State because that kind of seems like it's, it's been a trend for y'all. I mean, you guys recruit the portal about as well as anybody. What's, what's that secret sauce? Because you land Jared Verse from Albany, you go get Braden Fisk. Like, you're, just, you're finding these guys, Coach, and they're having instant impact. Uh, what's, the, what's the process there? You know, I just think that uh, you know, we find the right guys that fit Florida State. And, uh, you know, this program is not for everybody. 
and we uh, go through that the, the process, whether it's high school, whether it's uh, you know guys in the transfer portal. Uh, we try to be very transparent and real to what we're looking for, and try to also get an understanding of what's important to them. And uh, that's why you know I think we've had the success that uh, that we've had is because one we know what we're looking for, and uh, you know try to be very specific in in what we go after. And uh, you know when those guys have come here, uh, you know they understand the the expectation, and you know we we've been able to, uh, to, to allow them to showcase all that they, that they can bring to this program. And, you know, for what you see from them on the field and what they're doing in between the white lines, yeah, it's special, but, you know, the teammates, they are, you know, the, uh, the belief and the buy-in that they have to the program. And, you know, for guys that, you know, even if they're only here for a couple of years, I mean, they're Seminoles for the rest of their life. And uh, that's something that's important to us as well. It's not just uh, about the short term. It's about, you know, helping set them up for the long term of, of, you know, what, what and how they're going to be remembered. And when it comes to the acquiring talent side of things, not just the portal, but also the high school level, y'all recruiting well, really well in that department uh, in, in addition. When it comes to those conversations you have with kids, especially within the state of Florida, has that pitch changed a little bit with the fact that y'all are 2-0 and each of the last two years within the state? Well, I mean, I think the the kids within the state, I mean, now they're getting a better chance to see, uh, you know, what it looks like. You know, it's not talking about just a vision of what it can be. It is, it's, you know, where the steps that we've taken, the guys that have come in, uh, you know, seen some of that development. One, I'm excited about this year and, you know, guys that have been within the program have grown and developed, uh, you know, that they're going to get their opportunity to, to take the next step in their career. And so, um, you know, it's it's all about being able to paint the picture uh, for, for, you know, the, the guys that are at the high school level of what it can be. And can they see themselves uh, doing the things that we are, you know, currently, you know, being able to accomplish. And, you know, there is a, a great deal of, uh, of excitement a great deal of buzz um you know i think when you look back at this last year's you know you know class i mean i think we signed you know 23 high school players i want to say it was 19 were from the state of florida or the state of georgia uh you'll hear regionally which is something that was important to us coming in um you know you got to remember our our first year that we were here you know really year and a half with covid we weren't able to get out on the road and so you know we had to we had some challenges of just you know even in evaluations and and things there uh you early in the process but now you know these guys from regionally you know, based. I mean, they, they get to see it. They've, they've come. They've been around our staff, and uh, they understand what's happening here in Tallahassee. Coach, I feel a little bit obligated just to ask this question. I know y'all are all the way locked in on football and what's going on during winter and spring, but it's slow time of the year, so people are talking about realignment in Florida State and the ACC. Is that something that recruits are curious about when it comes to the future at Florida State, or is it just, hey, all ball all the time, we're, you know, moving this thing forward? No, I mean, there's times that there'll be questions, you know, just anything that ever shows up in the media, you usually will have a question from time to time. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, it's, you know, it, it, it's exciting because of all the things that Florida State has done to put ourselves in this position. And, you know, we've got a tremendous university. We've got a, uh, you know, we got a great, uh, you know, you know, backing and, and the things that we're doing, you know, the resources that are provided for, for our players on a daily basis. I mean, it's, it's, it is an exciting time to be a Seminole. And, uh, you know, whether it's talk about conference and, and all the things that are in the news, you know, that, that doesn't play a whole lot into, um, into what we're doing. But, I mean, our, our university is making an incredible uh, commitment uh, uh, commitment to what we're building and uh, you know there's obviously a lot of excitement about where we are and also where we're going you know as a as a program and uh you know obviously uh, what we're continuing to build and that was something that you doubled down on recently because the alabama becomes open and a lot of names get thrown on there yours included and then shortly thereafter you enhance a deal with florida state what was it about florida state right now that made you want to double down on that commitment and say no i want to be here i want to be in tallahassee i'm excited about where we're headed 
I mean, the people make the place, and you know, we've got an incredible group of people, you know, from our administration, uh, you to, to our fan base, to the players I get to coach, to the coaches I get to do it with. I mean, this is a, it's a special, special group, and, you know, we put our heart into this, and, you know, it's been fun watching, uh, you know, this program continue to take, take the steps, you know, not only on the field, but off the field, uh, you know, the investment that's going into it, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting times, you know, we've got over $400 million worth of construction uh, that's uh, going on, you that you're here you're currently you know, that's being done within the next two years uh, around our football uh, facilities. I mean, there's there's a lot of excitement about what's being built and, and just the continued investment into the student athlete and their overall collegiate experience. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because of who I get to do it with. And, you know, I believe in where we're going. I believe in who I'm, uh, you, know, you know, what we get to represent in this wonderful fan base. And you're definitely excited to be a Seminole. Without question. So a lot, lot of hard hats being worn around campus here with all that, uh, that construction going on, Coach. Uh, well, we appreciate all your time. Last question for you. When it comes to spring ball around the corner, what's the number one thing that you are defining success by during those practices? I mean, growth. I know it's a simple, simple term, but I mean, are we are we every single day getting out on that field and, and leaving it better. I mean, you know, going out there, pushing all that we have. I want to see great competition. I want to see, you know, you know that identity that, that we talk about and, and that we desire. Uh, you know, are we taking positive steps to, to you know, seeing that in our actions? And so uh, just the, the consistent growth. And if we do that, then it will be a success and we'll be, you know, one step closer where we need to be by the time that fall, uh, fall kicks off. Without question. Well, Coach, again, we really appreciate you making some time. We're excited to watch all get after here in the spring and obviously when, uh, when they kick off in the fall. Thanks again. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on and go Knowles. Okay, a couple of takeaways from that interview. We asked Coach, hey, a lot of new guys. 83rd in returning production is Florida State. Is it going to be the same approach schematically? Where, where are we going here? And what he said I thought made a ton of sense and something that I feel like you hear a lot of great coaches talk about. Personnel over scheme. You can have a way that you want to do things, but at the end of the day, man, if your guys can't execute the way that you want to execute, if you can't run the football the way that you want to run the football, what are you going to do? You're going to keep running your head into a wall? No, you're going to start throwing the football more. And I'm not saying that's the case for Florida State specifically. I'm using that as, a, as an example. But all that's to say, it's going to look different offensively. I believe that. But I'm excited to see what they do because their personnel, I, I still believe, is, uh, is going to be talented. Like Malik Benson, a guy that we were talking about potentially being Wide receiver one for Alabama going into 2023. DJ Uwe Unglele, you heard Coach Norvell talk about him, and I thought the way that he talked about him was interesting. His story, like his, his path that he's taken to get to Florida State, the way that Mike Norvell talked about that, it almost sounded like he saw it as an advantage. Like he talks about DJU and the ups and downs he's had to endure throughout his college career. You think DJU is going to be shook when he throws the interception for the first time in Tallahassee? You think that's really going to get to him? No, I think his psyche is rock solid, and I think Mike Novell kind of feels that same way by nature of how he talked about his quarterback. Lastly, I've, I've been impressed about this from Mike Novell for a while now, but to hear him talk about it in the interview was also, I thought, pretty interesting. Mike Novell harps on the day-to-day, -day, the process, about as much as anybody else in college football. And the guys that talk about process, it's a, it's a very elite group in my mind and I'm not saying that no other coach talks about process but just the almost obsessive nature and the fanatical approach he takes to that process like I'm asking him hey coach what's the what's the uh, you know the number one thing you're looking for in spring football he goes growth he's like I know that's a it's a coach speak kind of answer for you but I don't think that was just coach speak I think that's really how Mike Novell is approaching this thing he's like we want to take it one day at a time we're not getting out ahead of our skis we're focused on winning today and you also heard coaches like 
Nick Saban talk about that. You hear coaches like Kirby Smart talk about that. So I'm not saying Mike Novell is Nick Saban, but I am saying I think the way in which they are approaching this upcoming year, to me, is right in line with what a lot of great coaches also do from an approach standpoint. So again, we appreciate Coach Norvell giving us some time there and uh, thought he had a lot of really good things to say as a whole. The coordinator carousel just keeps on spinning, man. The head coaching carousel gets all the attention and for good reason. That's the face of your program. That's the guy that's hitting the press conference every single week and answering for what did or didn't go right in the football game. But there was a lot of big names going to big schools that I think we need to take a closer look at, guys that are going to have a massive impact on the college football landscape in 2024. And there may be no greater impact than the new offensive coordinator in South Bend, Mike Denbrock, coming over from LSU. And the reason why I say that, what Mike Denbrock did with Jaden Daniels, and I'm not pretending it was only Mike Denbrock. You obviously had Joe Sloan. You had Jane Daniels doing a lot on his own. You had a lot of NFL caliber wide receivers that elevated their game. But the way that he was able to equip Jane Daniels for success, and not just success, it has been trophy season. If he can even do a fraction of that, just a small percentage of that, with Riley Leonard at Notre Dame, Notre Dame's going to be really good. Because the way that they call this de- or the way that they call this offense, rather than what it does to defenses, it puts pressure on that second and third level to really cause them to be almost in a bind of do I play run or do I play or do I play pass? Riley Leonard is a good enough athlete to hurt you with his legs. So I think you'll see some similar concepts that you saw for Jaden Daniels. I'm not pretending Riley Leonard can run the football like Jaden Daniels. He's a one of one. But the fact remains, Riley Leonard is getting all the NFL buzz that he's gotten to this point for a reason. There's a ton of juice, I believe, with him from a talent perspective. Notre Dame's going to be a force now. I really believe that. If they can get it together offensively and that marriage of Mike Denbrock and Riley Leonard can't look anything like Mike Denbrock and Jaden Daniels at LSU last year, Notre Dame's going to be a team that's right there in that 12-team playoff mix. Speaking of LSU, you had Missouri, their defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, go back to LSU. Uh, he's a two-lane grad is Blake Baker. And his responsibility in coming to LSU is to make the LSU defense LSU-ish again. Pretty straightforward. Like, there is a certain standard that that fan base expects that defense to play for, to play with, rather. It's physical. It's gritty. It's aggressive. It is hammer, not the nail. That's what we've come to know LSU as, really, since we've talked about LSU in the national landscape, which has been, I mean, for as long as you want to talk about college football. That's who LSU has been. And for good reason. Now, Blake Baker, coming from Missouri, had a defense last year that was top 25 in scoring defense and yards per play allowed. Top 10 in the country in sack rate. Mentioned this on a previous show. I'm going to say it again. I think the attitude that a Blake Baker defense plays with matches up exactly with the temperature that LSU fan base wants to see from their defense. There's a certain expectation for them. And I don't see a massive drop-off in the LSU offense coming anytime soon, whether it be Garrett Nussmeyer, whether it be Bryce Underwood in a couple years. But Blake Baker, man, if, if they can have a defense that is up to their standards in Baton Rouge, and their standards are pretty high now, don't get it twisted, but if they can be up to par for them in LSU, they're going to be a national title contender. SEC contender for sure, but in this 12-team playoff, if you can have something that you expect to have defensively with Blake Baker running the show there, that's going to be nasty. It's going to be very nasty. I think, again, just, just the, the pure excitement of what they're bringing to the table from how they play ball on that side of the field is going to be something that LSU fans are, uh, are happy to see again, kind of like an old friend, if you will. Speaking of old friends, how about Ohio State reuniting Chip Kelly with Ryan Day? Chip Kelly, of course, it was well-documented, was at UCLA. 
He's a power conference head coach. He's going into the Big Ten. He's going to be a head coach in the same conference as Ryan Day. And you know what he says? I, I want to be a coordinator. I don't want to deal with this extra stuff with NIL and the transfer portal. And I don't think that was the only thing that factored into Chip Kelly going to Ohio State. It sounded like the relationship between UCLA and Chip Kelly wasn't necessarily in the best of places. But regardless, if you're Ohio State, man, you hit a home run in landing Chip Kelly. Absolute home run. And it's funny we talk about Blake Baker before Chip Kelly. Well, not really that funny because we designed the show this way. But the, the situation at LSU defensively, I think, parallels perfectly the situation at Ohio State offensively. Because think about it this way. The same way LSU has massive expectations for their defense, that fan base kind of takes pride in the way they play ball defensively. It's the same thing for Ohio State. Heisman Trophy finalists at the quarterback position. They're scoring right around 40 points a game every single year. You've got freak shows like Marvin Harrison Jr. running around there last year. Like There's a certain standard at Ohio State on the offensive side of the ball. And quite frankly, it was not met last year at Ohio State. Same way it wasn't met at LSU. Now you tinker the ingredients just a little bit on that side of the football for LSU and Ohio State. If you get the defense right at LSU, you're probably competing for a national championship. Like we just said, same deal for Ohio State. If you get that offense playing at the level you expect it to, you're competing for a national championship. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, man. There's no way around it. And last season, especially in the big games, in the gotta-have-it kind of games for Ohio State, that offense was not what we've seen it be. Needed more from them. Even in the games that you won. And this is going to be a little bit awkward to approach because they won some of these games, but they only scored 17 against Notre Dame. That was a good Notre Dame defense. They ended up making a play offensively to win the ball game, but 17 points with Marvin Harrison Jr. playing for you. I understand he got dinged up, but like the reality is there was far too much skill at Ohio State to be limited to 17 points. I don't care who it's against. You play Penn State. Penn State, another elite defense. Elite defense. We saw this in person. We were in Columbus for this one. A lot of really good players that are going to play on Sundays that were in an all-white uniform that day for the, for the Nittany Lions. And we scored 20. Again, it's good you won the football game, but you need more from your offense. And in the game they lost against Michigan, they scored 24. The Ohio State offense averaged 30 points a game last year. That's good for a lot of places. It's great for a lot of places. It's not good enough at Ohio State. With the way they recruit, with the talent they typically have at quarterback, they should score a lot more. Now, maybe the question there, the caveat there is, well, hey, we didn't have what we needed at quarterback last year. Kyle McCord, God bless him. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Justin Fields. He's not Dwayne Haskins. That's okay. They have that conversation with Kyle McCord. Tell him, hey, we can't guarantee you the starting quarterback position. Go out and get Will Howard. All that's to say, I am fascinated and excited to see what Chip Kelly does when he is just focusing on the offensive side of the ball. When he doesn't have to do all the CEO responsibilities that come with being a head coach at a place like UCLA. It's like, hey, Coach Kelly, you're coaching ball. You're doing cut-ups. You're going through individual drills. You're calling the offense. That's all you got to worry about. I think the simplification of that for a one Chip Kelly who can prove he has, he has cooked on many occasions at many different destinations with what he does offensively and now getting more attention on that, plus you factor in the fact that they have, I think, even more talent on the offensive side of the football from what they had a year ago. You lost Marvin Harrison Jr. There's no replacing him but you bring in Quinshawn Judkins, you bring back Trayvon Henderson, you got Will Howard. Like, I see all the ingredients here for Chip Kelly to do some really good things offensively, and the places we're going to see it show itself, the places we'll see Chip Kelly's offensive acumen show itself is in those big games. Talked about the way they didn't have it against some of these 
big-time games last year, needed the defense to win for you, at Oregon, at Penn State, Michigan to end the season in Columbus. Like, those are all games well, I, where I think we're going to see Chip Kelly really prove why he was the right choice for Ohio State as their next offensive coordinator. Let's go to the SEC. DJ Durkin, a guy who's very familiar with the SEC. He's the defensive coordinator now for Auburn, was previously at Texas A&M. Statistically, you look at him and you look at Ron Roberts and their seasons last year, like the numbers are pretty comparable. Both allowed right around 24 points a game, 23 points a game at their respective schools. Ron Roberts now has gone to Florida. Obviously, like I said, DJ Jerk is now at Auburn. But this, this is the way that I feel about this, man. I just think that Auburn got an SEC guy now calling their defense. And that's no shade at Ron Roberts. That's not a knock on Ron Roberts. I think Ron Roberts is a great defensive mind. I watched him with my own two eyeballs be in the building where Baylor had a massive fourth down stop to beat Oklahoma State. That defense had a lot of NFL guys on it. But I think there's something to be said for being familiar with what you're walking into, to be familiar with your surroundings week in and week out. And DJ Durkin's been around the SEC now. For better or for worse, man, he has been around the SEC. This is now his fourth SEC job. When Ron Roberts took the job at Auburn, that was his first SEC job. And again, there's no shade. I just think there's something unquantifiable by being familiar with the climate in the SEC, being familiar with the, the level of talent in the SEC. Like the whole phrase, it just means more, kind of gets thrown around with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek to it. I think there is something to that when it comes to being familiar with the SEC, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So DJ Jerkin at Auburn, I think that could have a massive, massive impact as Hugh Freeze is not calling the plays on offense. We're going to talk more about Auburn a little bit later in the show, but I think that could be one that we look back on here this time next year and say, hey, Auburn, they, they, they took a big leap in 2024. You want to know why? Because the defense was night and day improved from 2023 and the offense held up there into the deal. Now, speaking of A&M, uh, Colin Klein was previously at Kansas State, his alma mater, a place where I'm sure they play his highlights frequently in Manhattan, Kansas before games. His offense scored 36 points a game at Kansas State. He's got all the credentials, got a, a Big 12 title to his name, having played multiple quarterbacks during his time in Manhattan. He is now joining Mike Elko in College Station, like I just mentioned. And here's the big thing for me around Colin Klein to A&M. You unlock the quarterback just in any offensive scheme. You unlock the potential of the offense. That's what Colin Klein brings to the table here. And the thing that I love so much is the impact I think he could have on a one Connor Wegman because there's something to be said for not being that far removed from actually playing the game, from being a younger coach, being able to relate to your quarterback. And then also having actually played the position, having actually stood back there, seen what a modern defense looks like, and made plays against that kind of defense, and being able to articulate that in a first-person dialogue to your quarterback. Like, it's, it's one thing to watch it and to process it or to have done it a long time ago. Bobby Petrino, he also played quarterback, not at the level that Colin Klein did and not as recently as Colin Klein did. But to be able to specifically and with great detail understand what Connor Wegman is seeing from an actual player's point of view and to help teach him and process him through that lens, I think is massive. I don't think you can overstate the impact that could have on A&M in 2024. When you speak the language, man, you got a chance. All great coaches, man, they speak the language. There's a lot made about coaches and how much they've won and their credentials. And I just said that about Colin Klein, but I'm telling you what, man, you cannot put a price on communication. And that's the, that's, the, that's the huge thing I'm excited for for Connor Wegman and Colin Klein in, uh, in 2024 for A&M. 
We talked about that roster, man. The roster's got a lot of ability. A lot of ability. Last one I want to get to here. Defensive coordinator from UCLA moving over to USC, Danton Lynn. Just quick, I don't know. I'm assuming, I think it's like a, a uh, I don't, I don't want to guess. I think it's somewhere between 30 to an hour between USC and UCLA. I think it might be less than that, though. The bottom line here that I want to get to here, Danton Lynn had a, I mean, did a great job at UCLA last season, and he wasn't around for everything that was said about Lincoln Riley and his bad defenses. Like, there's somehow this cloud that follows new coaches when they get to a new, a, a new job, and there's like this reputation of, oh, well, it was this way at their previous spot, or, or it was this way when, when they got there. Like, the cloud following USC is, well, hey, the defense hasn't been good under Lincoln Riley. Dan Lynn's showing up, and he's like, I wasn't a part of that. That wasn't my defense. That wasn't how we did things during practice. That wasn't how we tackled. That wasn't how we coached. And Lincoln Riley, when he joined this show last week, he told us, he's like, hey, man, we focused on development with our next coaching staff. That was something we wanted them to major in. We focused on swinging as, as big as we could for who we hired for this defensive staff. And Danton Lynn is the D.C. There's obviously a myriad of other personnel that's going to join him on that staff. But just speaking from a player's perspective, you cannot put into words the value that a new coach bringing new philosophy, new perspective, and just quite frankly, new energy, new belief into a room brings. There's no way to properly articulate the impact that can have. And I think that could be the biggest thing that Danton Lynn brings to USC's defense is belief. Like, hey, guys, I know it's been bad here for a couple of years. I know you guys haven't achieved at the level you want to achieve. I know everybody and their mama has got a joke about USC's defense and they like to throw it on Twitter and win Twitter. Ha-ha, that's fun, good for them. That's not me. That's not how I get down. I know that's not how y'all get down. So let's go be better here in 2024. And the thing is, man, like if USC has a defense, how many times have we seen USC have an offense, or Lincoln Riley, rather, have an offense that is worthy of national championship aspirations? I'm not saying it's going to be that way in 2024. I'm not saying it's a quick fix, bada-bing, bada-boom. But I am saying if we're trusting one side of the football, I trust Lincoln Riley, and I'm excited to see Dan Lynn and that new energy he brings to that defense. So a lot of big names on the move at a lot of big destinations. Like I just talked about Notre Dame, Ohio State, Auburn, A&M, USC. Like there's, there's a lot of big names that are on the move and uh, a lot of guys that will obviously have a massive impact now on this expanded college football playoff field, and their respective conferences. So with that being said, around our respective conferences, projection rankings, they're back. They're all the way back. And to give you a review of what a projection ranking is, the way that we approach this is not from a power rankings point of view, not from a prediction rankings point of view. We're not telling you who's going to win the Big Ten in 2024. But for me, the question that I want us to answer together, and some of y'all have already answered on my Twitter page, at J.D. Paquel. I tweeted it out last night. Who do you project the top five teams, <coughs> excuse me, the top five teams in the Big Ten to be over the course of the next three years? Now, with that being said, whatever criteria you want to use to answer that question, more power to you. Since we're doing this show and having a back and forth, obviously we got to tell you our factors. I'm factoring in leadership slash leadership stability. Like, hey, is that head coach going to be there for the course of the next three years? If he's not, maybe they're not even making this list. Uh, also, the roster. What do you have in-house to build off of? And then your ability to acquire talent, whether it be the portal or on the recruiting trail. And this is something that we talked about at the top of this live show, but your commitment to ball, man. Like, it is becoming more and more important to have a high care factor, not just within your building, but within your administration, 
within your boosters, your fan base? Are you doing the right things from a modern college football point of view to be successful right now? So with that being said, man, our top five teams, let's get right to it. Number five, man, I went back and forth for a long time. Long time. I'll talk about some other schools that we considered putting in this top five at the end of the segment. But I have a USC at number five, and here's why. Say what you want about Lincoln Riley defenses. Every joke, every punchline, all of them, they are all warranted. Say what you want about LA weather. Hey, they got to play, you know, in some snow here coming up. You got to go play at some point in a whiteout game. You got to, I mean, there's so many things you can say about USC that would honestly be fair at this point in time. But if we're projecting over the course of the next three years, here's what I thought was extremely important. You cannot overstate the importance of the quarterback position in college football. You can't do it. You got a quarterback, you got a chance every single week. And Lincoln Riley has proven he will attract and also recruit the top quarterbacks in every single class. Now, I'm not saying every single top quarterback and every single cycle is going to commit to Lincoln Riley. I'm not saying that every single quarterback they get on campus is going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. But I do think the resume and the track record is something we should trust as we move into this projection ranking. Now, again, notice I have them at number five. I don't have them at number one. I'm not telling you USC is going to win the Big Ten this upcoming year, but the direction that they're headed, I think, is extremely encouraging if we're talking about what Lincoln Riley did on the defensive staff, what we're talking about with how he recruits the quarterback position, and then also something that maybe goes a little bit under the radar, USC's got a new athletic director. They got a new captain running the ship. Their AD, Jen Cohen, man, from what I've heard, she does not mess around. Does not mess around. She's not here to take pictures and to you know, have these cool promos get cut. She's there to handle business and to win ballgames. That's what she's about. So I love that for USC. And then also we have to talk about this, like LA, you have to believe in modern college football, they're going to attract guys from an NIL opportunity perspective. I think USC is probably playing ball, if not moving towards playing more ball on the NIL side of things and the recruiting side of things. There's a lot of talent in Southern California. We've said it on a previous show, man. There's a lot to win with in LA. In Southern California, from Orange County to San Diego, like if you put a fence around that, like you have a lot of good pieces to win with. There's a lot of guys right now that get offers to go to the Southeast from Southern California and they end up taking it and having a lot of success. So I'm just saying, keep an eye on USC. Not predicting a conference championship tomorrow, but I have a hard time believing that in the NIL era, with a coach who recruits quarterbacks as well as anybody else, that a big brand like USC is going to stay down. So USC for us at number five in our Big Ten projection rankings. Now at number four, I got Penn State. And a lot of folks are going to kind of smirk and say, James Franklin, he can't win the big one. James Franklin, oh, you mean 10-2 and two Penn State every single year? You just pencil him in for 10-2? and two? First of all, if 10-2 and two is the joke you're going for here, 10-2, and two, just so we're all on the same page here, puts you in the top five of the Big Ten every single year. So that in itself, I think, proves they're, they're a top five team here going forward. Their head coach has won 70% of his games. He's also won the Big Ten. So all this talk around, well, he can't beat Ryan. He can't, he can't, he can't what? He's won the Big Ten before. Hasn't done it super recently. I understand that. But to say that it can't be done when he's already done it, the desire here, if you're a Penn State fan, is for consistency. And so the thing that I'm looking at here for, uh, for Penn State and why I have him where, the, where I do, the whole can't win the big one thing, they said that about Jim Harbaugh too. Remember, it was, oh, he can't, he can't beat Ohio State. He can't get over the hump. And then what happened? Jim Harbaugh eventually got some more time, got some more roster talent, was able to 
develop well and kind of got his his way of doing things totally installed within that roster, within that program. They beat Ohio State three times. Won the Big Ten three times in a row. Won a national title this year. So all that's to say, man, 2024 I think is a massive fork in the road for them. I think there's a tremendous opportunity now with this young talent nucleus from Drew Aller to Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter. You only have those guys in totality at least guaranteed together for one more season. The window wasn't closed after this season from 2023, that is. I think that window starts to become a lot smaller after 2024. So this is the year now for you to really make some noise. And if you are able to, let's just let's get, let's get crazy. Let's say that Penn State wins the Big Ten in 2024. What does the future of their program look like? Talk about the snowball effect that would have in Happy Valley. Talk about the way that recruits then view James Franklin, the way that Penn State's brand is on fire. I'm not calling it right now, but I am saying you look at the future, I have a hard time putting them outside the top five for us, Penn State at number four. Now at number three, we got Michigan. And Michigan, obviously, if Jim Harbaugh still the head coach, they're a lot higher on this list, just so we're all on the same page here. It's fair to have a question mark around who Sharon Moore is going to be as your head coach. A lot of pieces coming back. All right, now the production isn't there like you would hope it would be. Penn, you know, Michigan's not necessarily even in the, the top like 80 percentile of the country when it comes to returning production, but there's still a lot of pieces that I think provide some leadership and some direction. We talk about them a lot on the show. Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, like you know all those names, Donovan Edwards, Will Johnson, you know the names. Will Johnson also happy to see if you're a Michigan fan that he put the rumors of the Bama transfer to rest. Regardless, my confidence for Michigan, having them as high as they are right now, I have confidence in the fact that a lot of folks that were a part of that national title run are back for another year. And a lot of guys that were a part of that national title run are still on this staff. Not everyone, mind you, but there's some key pieces now that either got promoted internally or whatever it is, got new positions. The bottom line here is I think there is still a championship way of doing things at Michigan. Now it's going to alter. It's going to take another evolution. They're going to find ways to kind of adapt to the Sharon Moore style. But the bottom line of we've won national titles here, we've won a national title here with Sharon Moore on staff. They've seen it done. That kind of gives you a similar roadmap to doing it again. I'm not calling my shot from the winter national title in the next three years, but I think we'd be foolish to just dismiss the fact that Michigan and the, the momentum they have right now is going to carry over. I, I fully believe that. And you got a coach, too, just to call a spade a spade. You talk to people about Sharon Moore. They say, yeah, he probably prioritizes recruiting and was a better recruiter in some ways, even more than Jim Harbaugh was. So Michigan at three, I feel pretty confident having them at three, and uh, I think they're going to be a team that's still in that title contention for the Big Ten more often than not. This is a big year now to kind of stabilize optics. Same thing we talk about with Alabama and Kalen DeBoer, like, hey, the, what are we going to be now without Nick Saban? They're asking that question. What are we going to be now without Jim Harbaugh? This will be a big year to kind of set the tone for the future. Now at number two, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. And there's a lot of feeling around Ryan Day from a fan base level. This is not a me personally level. Like for me, I've said this many times, Ryan Day is your head coach unless something wildly drastic and unforeseen takes place. Ryan Day is one of the best coaches in college football. That's not just my opinion. That's what his winning percentage indicates as well. So this is where the projection terminology becomes extra crucial. They will consistently, from this year to next year, have one of the best, if not the best roster in the Big Ten. They have all the commitment that they need 
from a school perspective, from a powers that be perspective, by nature of who they got through the portal when it comes to NIL as well. And I, I'll say this too. Everyone says a lot about Ryan Day and how he hasn't beat Michigan the last three years. Like, Ryan Day, just so we're all on the same page here, is continuing to evolve as a head coach. He was not a head coach anywhere else before getting the job for Ohio State. So he's kind of learning in the spotlight is the term that we use a lot here. But again, the whole trending upwards with his evolution, Ryan Day, when he took over, was an offensive guy. That's how he made his money. That's who he was. That's why he got the job at Ohio State. What have we seen from Ohio State now recently? Defense struggles. Ryan Day, immediate change. Brings in Jim Knowles. Defense improves. Still not great, or still not great in the moments you wanted them to be great, rather. They were great statistically, but you still had the issues against Michigan where you weren't able to hold your water in 2022. In 2023, they're a top 10 defense, right? And in 2022, they were really good, but they didn't hold their water how they needed to against Michigan. In 2023, I thought they played well enough in a lot of ways to beat Michigan. That's the way that it felt to me, though. They didn't make the plays they needed to, but like you're, you're just looking at what Ohio State has been. They went from an offensive football team to winning big games defensively in 2023 against Notre Dame, against Penn State. It was the defense that got it done. You bring back a lot of those guys next year, and you bring in the portal hall that you did. I say portal hall, portal pieces that you did. Will Howard and Quinshawn Judkins obviously being the massive ones. Caleb Downs on the defensive side. This year is going to be an explosion. For Ohio State, whether it's fair or not, it will be an explosion for the better. If they accomplish their goals and they win the Big Ten and they win a national championship, like the Ohio State brand is white hot. Ryan Day did it. The narrative totally changes. People are buying Ohio State stock like it's going out of style. If not, there's going to be a lot of rumblings yet again, as foolish as we believe it is, around, well, is Ryan Day the right guy? If not now, then when? Can we get over the hump? I don't believe that's fair. I just think it's our obligation within this show to at least address that that narrative and those rumblings would get louder. I'm not saying there would be changes. I can't stress this enough. I do not believe there should be changes at Ohio State. I think Ryan Day is your guy, but this will be a massive year for them when it comes to how they look in the future. One more thing I want to say here about Ryan Day. I don't get where this narrative comes from that he hasn't done anything at Ohio State. Like, made the college football playoff multiple times. Made the national championship before. They've won the Big Ten. Like, Ryan Day doesn't have a lackluster resume by any stretch of the imagination. It's what's happened in the last couple of years against Michigan that's left people wanting more. So I understand that. I get that. I just want to make sure we're all aligned here. Ryan Day, really good football coach. Should be your head coach at Ohio State, barring something wildly, wildly unforeseen. So, again, projection rankings, the number one team for us, the Oregon Ducks. There is not a stock I would invest more than in Oregon and Dan Lanning right now. Because they do everything right, man. Like from a behind-closed-doors perspective, from a what-it-takes-to-win point of view, they've got the trenches. They've been a Big Ten team for a while now by how they play football. They just now are joining the conference and getting the sticker to go with the helmet. Great coordinators. Kenny Dillingham, he goes to Arizona State to be the next head coach there. They bring in Will Stein, bada-bing, bada-boom. Same kind of result. Tosh Lapoy done a great job defensively. So that shows me, okay, they can adapt. They can hire more coordinators. They can be effective, and they have to retool that staff, as inevitably I believe they will. That comes with success. Great culture. We said this a lot about Oregon. Like, week in and week out, I felt like Oregon was the same team. <laughs> felt like the exact same team. And I'm not saying they had the same success, but, like, they would have a big win, 
and it would feel like, okay, well, are they going to have this drop-off now? Are they going to take their eye off the ball? Never saw that. Never saw that. Every single week it was same Oregon, Ducks versus them was their slogan, and we saw that. The Big Ten is unique in the sense that nobody within this conference right now has real credentials to the point where they have a national title to their name. Now, Sharon Moore does, obviously, as a head coach, and I just told you all the credentials Ryan Day has, but I mean, there is no top dog that's like, yeah, hey, he's been to the mountaintop. He's been there, done that. And when I look at Oregon in the future, I think they absolutely could be that team. And going back to what I said, the way that you build a college football team, sometimes you do the right things for a while and don't see the results that you want for a while. It's kind of like building a, a healthy body of sorts. Like you might go to the gym four days a week and eat right. And then two months go by and you're like, man, I don't really know that I feel all that different. Well, then you give two more years to that. And over the course of that two years, you take those strides and those habits and those practices that you do right behind closed doors that eventually becomes who you are. So I think Oregon right now, just so we're on the same page here, they are doing the right things. They are building the right way. They are applying pressure where successful college football teams apply pressure to from a commitment level on the the powers that be level like the nil the nike money all that like that's important that matters dan lanning he's getting a lot of yeses all those things matter and i really think that oregon and the way they do things right right now is only going to trend upward for them when it comes to their on-field product so to recap it for you our top five teams when it comes to our big 10 projection rankings at number five we've got the usc trojans recruit the quarterback level well or the quarterback position level, recruit the quarterback position well, you're going to be in good shape. At number four, we got Penn State. 10-2 is a nice joke, but I'm just saying 10-2 is also a really good record. Puts you at top five in the Big Ten. Michigan at number three. Sharon Moore has a championship way of doing things still intact in Ann Arbor. Ohio State at number two. Great roster. I believe in Ryan Day. I'm buying stock in the Buckeyes, but I'm buying the most stock in Oregon when it comes to our Big Ten projection rankings. This has been a long segment, so I'll give you a quick note here. A team that I was just so tempted to put at number five, so tempted, the Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle, the sample size is pretty small for me right now, but I think the way that he's won at lesser places gives me encouragement. I think they're going to have a brand of toughness that is going to be very successful in the Big Ten Conference. And uh, yeah, I'm buying stock in Luke Fickle. I'm buying stock in, in Wisconsin. If I had to put a team at number five over USC, I'd put Wisconsin right there. All right, let's move quickly now here because we have been just rolling here. This is a long episode, y'all, so we appreciate y'all being dialed in. Make sure you're subscribed. We've got a few more things to get to here. Your surprising headlines, a run-through of the top quarterbacks of 2025 per Charles Power. Make sure you like the video. There will be no question and answer today just because I'm looking at the time here, and that would make for probably a two-hour-long episode. So we'll spare you all that today. We'll come back tomorrow, and we'll have a real, real good time getting after uh, an extra-long Q&A in the live chat tomorrow. So your surprising headlines is one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite segments we do on this show. I put out the call to action on my Twitter. I say, hey, what's going to be the most surprising headline we get in 2024? And y'all always answer in elite fashion. And Jay Burr got at us, and he says his surprising headline is that Auburn goes 10-3 and three with a solid bowl win. Now, this would be impressive because that means that Auburn went 9-3 and three during the regular season, which likely means they went 3-3 three and three in this ridiculous stretch. Here's what they have here. They got these six games, not all back-to-back, you understand, but they have a really tough schedule, which is the new SEC. You got Oklahoma, you're at Georgia, you're at Missouri, you're at Kentucky, you got A&M, and then you're at Alabama. 3-3 three and three in that stretch? 
year two for Hugh Freeze and Co. When they went six and six last year, I think you take that and you don't look back. What it would mean if they went nine and three in the regular season, if they were able to win the way that I just said they would win in that stretch and against those teams, it would mean that under the hood for Auburn, they made real growth with their competitive stamina. AKA, they learned how to win. Because we saw Auburn in some dogfights last year. The Alabama game comes to mind. The Georgia game comes to mind. And they just couldn't quite find a way to put those teams away. Couldn't quite find a way to have a, a killer instinct, if, if you will. And that's fine. It's only year one. But if you go 9-3 and three in year two, you have very effectively taken steps to have that killer instinct, to put teams away, to go 3-3 three and three and likely have some exciting wins on that resume. It also means the DJ Durkin hire was a seamless transition. Okay, hey, check the box. Great. Happy that worked out. I was, quite honestly, I think it's great that he's an SEC guy and that pays dividends for you. But here's my big question. If Auburn goes 9-3, and three, man, what happened at quarterback? Right? I mean, Auburn, they, they averaged, I think it was close to 26 points a game last year. If you go 9-3 and three, your second year under Hugh Freeze, there's two things that maybe happened, all right? The first is you went to the portal post-spring practice, got a dude, he's a baller, plug and play, whole thing blows up in a good way, all right? That's the first option, probably the most obvious to explain. Interesting thing, though, here is what if Peyton Thorne makes a big leap? That would be the other way that you get to 9-3, and because I don't think you go 9-3 and in the SEC without being versatile offensively. Peyton Thorne last year had some pretty obvious struggles. We all saw it. He went 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, had 500 rushing yards, so he was a threat on the ground, obviously, but he threw for less than 2,000 yards on the year. He had five games of less than 100 yards passing. Not 200 yards passing, less than 100 yards passing. There were times where he really struggled. That was obvious. But if he's able to you know, take that next step and really change his game night and day in year two under Hugh Freeze, that's the way you go nine and three first. But from a macro level, if I'm a quarterback and I see the growth and development of Peyton Thorne from year one to year two under Hugh Freeze, and that second year with Hugh Freeze calling the plays, how attractive is that to potential high school recruits and future portal guys if Auburn finds themselves in that situation again? Hey, you can come here, you can develop, you can get better from one year to two years in our system, and we're going to be able to put you in position to be successful. Because I think the run game will be there. I think they want to run the football. I think that'll be kind of their bread and butter next year. But to go 9-3, and three, that means Peyton Thorne probably took a pretty strong step forward. So a great surprising headline by our guy, Jay Bird. Appreciate him contributing to that conversation. If Auburn goes 9-3, and three, massive, massive leap year for Hugh Freeze and also for Peyton Thorne. Our guy, Vol for Life 42. His surprising headline is that Nico Iamaliava has some Hendon Hooker-ish type numbers in 2024. Now, Really quickly, if you're watching live right now, make sure you're subscribed. College football every single day. Every single day. Like it's our job because it is our job. So we appreciate y'all being dialed in. Thank you very much in advance for that. So, Hendon Hooker, let's see what he did in 2022. Threw for right around 3,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, two picks, almost 70% completion percentage. Ran for over 400 yards, five rushing touchdowns. Pretty major uh, asterisk here. He didn't play those last two games right? Because he got hurt against South Carolina. Probably still should have gone to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, been a finalist. It is what it is. I digress. Y'all, I think Nico Iamaliava has all the talent and ability to do this. I don't think that there is 
anything physically that Hedden Hooker did in 2022 that Nico doesn't have the same physical tools to accomplish. That's not me saying he's going to do it, but I think that if you look at like the personal governor for him, there isn't one, right? There isn't one. And so if this happens, it means a couple of things. One, Tennessee's probably scoring in the range of 40 points a game. They're probably winning right around nine football games. Not a major surprise. This offense in itself under Josh Heupel, when you got the right guy running the show and it's humming, very hard to stop. You're winning a lot of ball games, and you're also able to cover up a lot of whatever else you don't have on the defensive side of the ball. Not a prediction on the defensive side of the ball. I'm just saying there's going to be some games where it doesn't matter what the other team does defensively. Like, we're scoring 40. Ready, set, go. Try and catch us. You're not mashing us score for score if we're humming like we are in 2022. Probably more in, more, uh, more critically, rather, this would mean that the redshirt year for Nico paid off big time. Paid off big time. Because there was so much talk around, hey, Nico, he needs to start right away. He's so talented, you can't keep him on the bench. If he goes out and has success like he does in this surprising headline, that's not an accident. That's, that's not a result of him just being able to hit the ground running and, and be able to you know, have success right away. Like That'd be a great thing, but I think a lot of that you'd have to look to, okay, he had a full year where he was able to sit behind Joe Milton, see what he did well, learn from what he didn't do well, get comfortable in this offense, get comfortable with his receivers, get comfortable making checks, all those things. Like The, the game would have slowed down enough to where he can have that kind of success because as talented as he is, that's still a massive, massive factor. Now, we talked to uh, Austin Price of VolQuest. Y'all, go get a membership of VolQuest if you haven't already. Best in the game. And he mentioned something that I think is right on the money and something we've talked about a little bit on this show. The major ingredient to Hendon Hooker's 2022 season was who he had catching the football for him. Like, Jalen Hyatt won the Belitnikoff. Brew McCoy totally emerged as a dude. You had Cedric Tillman when he was healthy, he was a presence, and he was dinged up that year, but still, he was a guy for you. He was an option that defenses had to honor. And so if Nico's going to have the success that Hennon Hooker had in 2022, then you have to have some other guys step up as well in a similar fashion. I'm looking at Squirrel White. Tons of speed, tons of ability. Uh, Dante Thornton kind of caught his stride a little bit more at the end of last year. Mike Matthews, expect him to play early, if you're asking me. Chris Brazel, transfer from Tulane to Tennessee. This offense is built to where if you win your matchups, there's going to be opportunity to score some points. And you got a quarterback now, if you do win your matchup, he's going to get you the ball. And he's going to be able to recognize it a lot quicker because of his redshirt season. So I think it's very, very possible. I wouldn't put too much pressure on Nico. I would kind of let it bake a little bit and see how it goes over the course of that first month and kind of hold your opinion loosely. But when it comes to pure ability, man, it's, it's not an accident. He became the number one ranked player in 2023 for us here at On3. Duke can spin it. And those numbers, I believe, are very much so attainable given his skill set. Last surprising headline here for us, our guy Tiger Time. He's got a juicy one here for us. I want to preface this with saying this is, this is not a prediction. This is a surprising headline from our friend who watches the show. I would be 9.5 out of 10 surprised if this happened, okay? Enough of a, a qualifier there. He says Clemson beats Georgia to open the season. Calling his shot, Tiger Time. Love it. For context, uh, Georgia opens as a 12.5-point favorite. This game is going to be played in Atlanta, so you imagine there will be a fair amount of both sides that turn out for this one. Georgia obviously brings back Carson Beck. They bring back 76% of the production on offense from a season ago. Now, for context, uh, for more context, rather, Georgia's last time they lost a season opener was 2013. That was at Clemson. 
All right, so take of it as you will. This happening would mean that Cade Klubnik went absolutely crazy. The difference an offseason makes for him and Garrett Riley to be able to get together, look at the film, see what they didn't like, see what they need to do better, and also probably more importantly, as much as Cade Klubnik kind of finding his footing as a college quarterback would be massive and probably changes the way you look at your season if you're a Clemson fan, this would mean that Clemson found some real explosiveness at the playmaker position. Because, I mean, that's really been our major gripe with Clemson over the course of the last couple of years. Hey, a lot of great guys defensively. They've recruited the quarterback position well from a star's point of view. But, like, if you don't have somebody that can stretch the defense and put pressure on that secondary, it's very, very difficult to win how Clemson would like to and expects to win. Now, if they do win the game, just so we're we're clear here, uh, the headline syndrome coming out of week one to week two would be wild. It'd be wild. And headline syndrome is a lot like bull syndrome in the sense that it's basically an overreaction to one thing that happens. Like the headline out of bull season was Jackson Arnold isn't a good quarterback. That, that was bull syndrome. Don't fall victim to that. It's one sample size. It's one data point. We move forward. Headline syndrome for Clemson would be Clemson takes down number one team. Clemson probably shoots into the top 10. We're talking about them winning the national championship after the first week of the season. Still got to have some things happen if you're Clemson. But, I mean, if, to, to be fair, like, the game's not played on paper. But who else is beating Clemson on their schedule if they're good enough to beat Georgia? Now, that's not how college football works, right? It's not about being better than the other team. It's about playing your best on that day. But if you can beat Georgia, you are at the very least capable of beating Florida State. You're at least capable of beating Louisville. I'm just saying there's a lot to be excited about if you're Clemson, if you're able to get this done and just what it would do for this team's confidence, for their psyche, for their outlook on the rest of the year. Like, it would be massive. There's no way around it. It would be absolutely massive. Last thing it would mean, man, we would get an absolute cinematic, cinematic, incredible, extreme, I mean, whatever adjective you want to throw to it, the Dabo Sweeney press conference, or heck, Dabo Sweeney post-game on-field interview would be nothing short of greatness. It'd be, I mean, it would be rivaling... BYOG's territory. Like that, that's kind of, if y'all, if y'all know that post-game soundbite from Dabo, like that's kind of the, the juice it would bring. So in that way, like I'd love to hear it. Very, very surprising headline, but nonetheless appreciate our guy Tiger Tom bringing the juice on that one, man. It would have major, major impacts when it comes to college football landscape. All right, one more segment to get to here, man. We appreciate all y'all that are dialed in live. As always, make sure that you subscribe. Hey, if you're listening on podcasts, just quick, quick note, uh, we love you. Nothing else besides that. Just saying we love you. Appreciate you being dialed in because you can't be in live, but you say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm not worried about what people are, are trying to keep me from doing. I'm still getting my college football fix. I can't watch it live, but I'm getting my college football fix via the podcast. So we appreciate you all for that. Our 2025 recruiting rankings came out yesterday for the 2025 class for us here at On3. And Charles Power and Cody Belair, nobody watches more ball than them. I'm just telling you right now, they are as dialed in as it gets to the future of college football when it comes to high school recruits. And Charles Power has an article out right now on On3.com breaking down the top signal callers of 2025. Now, just so we're, we're, we're aligned here, what it looks like right now from a rankings point of view for these players is going to change before we get to National Signing Day. That's my assumption. Like, these guys are going to play their senior year. We'll get more data on them. We'll see them more places. This list is going to change a little bit from a rankings perspective. You'd have to believe it might, it might not. But, like, there's opportunity for it to change. How about that? Just so we're all on the same page. Bryce Underwood. 
from the state of Michigan is both the number one quarterback and the number one player in the entire country. He's committed to LSU. He had a ridiculous year. 3,300 yards, 41 touchdowns, only three interceptions. I think he averaged something crazy like 12 yards a pass. Bottom line, guy is a baller. He's the number one player in the country for a reason. On a macro level, this is further proof of LSU and their brand being white hot. Being white hot right now because we've always known LSU to attract top defensive talent. You got the DBU label that's always following LSU or at least they're in that conversation year in and year out. LSU now has a brand that can attract top offensive talent. I understand Joe Burrow predates Brian Kelly. It don't matter. I promise you Bryce Underwood, he still saw that 2019 LSU team do numbers like Goodwill Hunting. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy last year playing quarterback. It doesn't hurt for the future of potential quarterbacks that are considering LSU and Bryce Underwood currently committed to the Tigers. He is not the only top offensive playmaker that is committed to LSU. We'll leave it at that. George McIntyre is the number two quarterback in the entire country for us here at On3. He is committed to the Tennessee Volunteers. He actually stopped by On3 headquarters when he committed. Do a quick little sit down with our guy Josh Newberg. That interview is on the On3 Recruits channel, so go check that out if you haven't. This to me, I mean, Josh Heupel speaks quarterback. Yet again, he's landing another top quarterback in their respective recruiting class. I mean, this is just Josh Heupel doing Josh Heupel things. And we saw this kid play in person. I say we, like I went to go see him play. Um, I believe it was against Brentwood, which was his crosstown rival. He's at Brentwood Academy just down the street from us here. This kid is smooth, man. I, I'm, I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not a scout. But I watch a lot of football. And I know when someone moves really naturally. And that's George McIntyre. He also plays basketball. He gets buckets there. He can get up and throw it down. Big frame. I'm excited to watch him to continue to develop. Because as much as you see from him, like he may not even be topped out yet with what he's going to be when he gets to, to Tennessee. So I'm excited for him, excited to watch what he does in the future, but he's number two quarterback for us in our player rankings at this point in time. Now, from Pennsylvania, Matt Zollers, number three quarterback for us. He's not committed, so commitment, possibly you, to quote Step Brothers. Uh, the top four for him are Penn State, Georgia, Missouri, and Pitt. There's the RPM currently trending towards Penn State. We love his size, six foot three and a half, two 200 pounds. Charles Power says he had the best individual playmaking skills that they've seen to this point in the cycle. Now, let's just kind of walk this thing through. Let's say that that RPM pick ends up being where he goes. Let's say he does go to Penn State. If he goes to Penn State, man, that would be massive for that 25 class. They're currently at number 12 in the on three industry team recruiting rankings. And we all understand this now. You got to win on the recruiting trail to help your chances to win on the field. And if, if Penn State can land one of the top quarterbacks in this cycle, think who else that would attract. One, think how, how high Penn State would shoot into the rankings then. I don't pretend to know, but I think it would have to boost them. You'd believe somewhere closer to that top 10, if not into the top 10. And you'd think there's probably other top pass catchers that are taking a second look at Penn State. Top offensive linemen there, take a second look at Penn State. Like that, the ripple effect of landing a top quarterback would be massive. So the Zoller effect... Wherever he goes, you have to believe that'll come into effect. But at Penn State, with as close as they've been the last couple of seasons, landing a guy like him, be big for the future. Julian Lewis out of the state of Georgia, number four quarterback for us. He is currently committed to USC. Now, Julian Lewis reclassified from 2026 to 2025. So he's going to graduate a year ahead of where we thought he was going to graduate this time a season ago. We love his consistent mechanics. 
And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a guy that, that Charles Power talks about as playing really, really well within the structure of an offense, really consistent throwing the football. He's a distributor. To me, that sounds like a Lincoln Riley kind of quarterback that would thrive. Not to say Lincoln Riley hasn't had guys that do well ad-libbing in addition, but like, I think Julian Lewis, wherever he ends up, he's again, he's committed to USC. He's got Bama after him, Georgia, Auburn, Colorado, all still in hot pursuit. But he's a dude that is going to, I think, potentially be a, a program changer wherever he, he lands at. Number four quarterback for us right now in 2025. Two more to get to here. Tavian St. Clair committed to Ohio State. He's number five quarterback from us. He's from the state of Ohio. Six three and a half, two ten. Charles Power says he's got a ready-made frame, good arm strength. 70% of his passes from last season were completed. To me, I mean, you can't overstate the importance of efficiency. And I'm always impressed by quarterbacks that commit to Ohio State out of high school, especially Tavian St. Clair. The quarterback that he's lo- the quarterback room he's looking at right now is absolutely stacked. Who knows what it's going to look like when he puts pen to paper? But like the the competitive DNA you have to have to look at Ohio State and to say, you know what, I think I'm good enough to go play there. I trust my abilities to be the guy to win that job when it's my time to win the job. I love that. That tells me a lot about what Tavian St. Clair has under the hood. Dude wants to compete. Top five quarterback for us right now in 2025. So I'm excited to see what he does for uh, his senior season. Last one I want to get to here, Deuce Knight. Number six quarterback in the class right now. Committed to Notre Dame. Six foot, four and a half, 200 pounds. Now he's in the state of Mississippi. So Ole Miss, you have to imagine, still trying to make a push for him. Charles Power talks about his athletic ability being, if you were to stack it up against top wide receivers in this class, that's how athletic Deuce Knight is. You can kind of comp him in that same category. Feels like for me, if Marcus Freeman's able to keep Deuce Knight committed and get him to put pen to paper on National Signing Day, it'd be a statement kind of get for him. Because Marcus Freeman, to this point now, has gone to the portal and landed a Sam Hartman, landed a Riley Leonard. Also, there's been a, a fair amount of commitments that Marcus Freeman has gotten earlier in the cycle and then closer to signing day, the guys flip or they switch, whatever, to keep Deuce Knight committed, to be your quarterback, to attract more talent to play with him, and then to land your quarterback of the future. I'd be excited for Notre Dame. I think that would be massive for Marcus Freeman and, and uh, his era going forward here in South Bend. So, a lot of top quarterbacks across the country that we are keeping an eye on that we'll continue to monitor here over the course of this upcoming season and this spring as they all you know take visits or what have you. So make sure you're locked in right here. The On3 Recruits channel as well. The Inside Scoop with Josh Newberg. Five Star Flex. My guy Philip Dukes. Dukes the Scoop. They're covering recruiting better than anybody else out there. So make sure you're locked in there. And then also check out those rankings at On3.com. Charles Power and Cody Belair. Our whole uh, rankings committee is, is absolutely the best in the game. So make sure you're dialed in there. Like I said, long show today, man. Long show. We usually do a question and answer at the end of each live show. We will do that tomorrow for you. Okay? We just, heck, we just had a loaded show. We had to make sure we chopped it up all the way through and wanted you all to be, uh, be dialed in for us. So come back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe to the channel. Don't want you all to miss it. Tomorrow we got an interview with LSU's head coach, Brian Kelly. Phenomenal conversation. Don't want y'all to miss it. Talk about everything from recruiting to the way that he's evolved since taking over as the head coach at LSU and all that and more. So, love y'all. Appreciate y'all. College football does not stop. Neither do we. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.